Our scripture passage this afternoon comes to us from Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. This past November, I recall watching one of my daughter's softball games. It was the top of the third inning, and the hitter rolled a ground ball in the direction of the shortstop. The ball literally went directly past the shortstop's leg. She didn't make a play on the ball. Everyone was wondering what was going on. Well, turns out that underneath the wrist portion of the shortstop's glove, she had received a text on her Apple Watch. (laughs) I share that story not to belittle the 11-year-old, but to illumine just how hyper-connected we all are, perhaps, to the chaos That is our world. Not unlike the world of the psalmist in Psalm 46 when you think about it. For we walk back into Psalm 46 and the beginning of the psalm begins with a sacred venting, if you will, about all of the chaos that is happening in the psalmist's world. The chaos of natural disasters, the chaos of warring nations, the chaos of political upheaval. And after the sacred venting that the psalmist does, God's voice can be heard. Be still and know that I am God. Translated back into the original Hebrew, rather simply, it is one word, enough. Spiritually speaking, Part of what I learned from Psalm 46 when it comes to the Lenten discipline of solitude and silence is that in a hyper-connected world where there is so much chaos in my life and in yours, I would be wise to engage silence from time to time, remembering that God is God. Be still And know that I am God. Now I have some good news and bad news about this. I'll begin with the bad news. The bad news is that in a world as hyper-connected as ours and with all of the chaos around us, silence will not easily fall into our lap. We will have to seek it. I was reading an article the other day by a famous psychiatrist by the name of Warren Kinghorn. And he coined a word in his article that I thought was uh, rather genius. It was called clickbait. And in this article, he talked about when it comes to our technology, our phones and our iPads, part of what the media does is it presents to us a lot of clickbait. And so, for example, the news stories in our lives come at us so quickly and we're constantly clicking on them. 
Now, to be sure, we are people who want to help. We are people who want to serve. We are socially conscious. We are globally conscious. But there is so much that is coming at us at all times, and we're clicking on it. In fact, a modern reading of Psalm 46 might go something like this. The psalmist was standing in line at Publix during the season. There were three people in front of him, and as he waited, he pulled out his phone, and he began to click on all of the chaos. Natural disaster, click. Nations warring, click. Politics, click. And then he checked out his groceries. Stillness does not come naturally. There is so much uh, clickbait that happens uh, in our everyday lives. This is a rather astute comment that I heard many years ago uh, by the former director of CBS's 60 Minutes, Rome Hartman. He was talking about the media and how quickly the stories come at us. And he said, the real problem with the news in our lives is that we must now, because of the quickness of it all, interpret events before we ever have a time to fully experience them. Never have time to experience events anymore. We are hyper-connected. The chaos is constantly coming at us. Stillness won't just happen. That's the bad news of this spiritual discipline. But here's the good news. When perhaps we are intentional about stillness and silence, God's voice can still be heard, that God is sovereign, that peace can come, that wisdom can come, that perspective can come when we are willing to engage solitude. Some days ago, I was reading a blog that was written by a Christian businessman, and he was talking about how many years ago he was meeting with executives from his company at an airport hotel that was adjacent to the Chicago O'Hare Airport, and there was a lot of conflict going on in his company, a lot of politics that were happening uh, within his company, and he had some major decisions to make in it all, and he was going, and attorneys were telling him one thing, his phone was being and it was incredibly chaotic and he had to fly to San Francisco and then to make all of these decisions. Finally left the airport hotel, boarded the plane and started to fly to San Francisco and it was back in the era before Wi-Fi was on planes. And he had to turn his cell phone completely off and he shared that in the article on his way to San Francisco that he had Finally, an hour or two of quiet toward the end of the flight, and everything in conversation with himself and a little bit with the divine became a lot more clear. He landed and he made all of the decisions, and retrospectively, he remarked, he got all of them right. And to this day, he shared, now there is Wi-Fi on the airplane, he will always turn his cell phone off and begin to engage solitude during that time. There's a sociologist at Harvard by the name of Ron Heifetz, and he puts it another way in his book, Leadership on the Line. He says that as we deal with the chaos and connectivity of our lives, if you want to be a leader or you want to move forth with perspective and wisdom, part of what you have to do is balance your time between the dance floor and the balcony. 
the dance floor where it's all busy and all the relationships that are happening and everything that is coming at you, that's a really important part of leadership, said Heifetz. But excellent leaders will retreat from that and get out on the balcony of it all to be by themselves, to experience solitude so that in the stillness of it all, there might be a bit of wisdom, a bit of perspective, a bit, yes, of peace. I'll close this afternoon with a very interesting story from the life of Abraham Lincoln as it comes to the spiritual discipline of solitude. Some of you who have read about Lincoln and about Lincoln's faith know that he is a former president for whom uh, studying uh, Christianity and faith is very, very interesting. Uh, For Lincoln was the only president that uh, we have had in America that has not formally united, uh, did not formally unite with a Christian denomination or a church. That being said, however, he was arguably the most spiritual of any president, and I don't think any scholar would disagree with this, by far and away the most biblically literate of any president, uh, thanks to his mother. Well, Lincoln in many ways endured a very, very challenging life. Uh, The White House is lonely and uh, might have been as lonely in that office uh, than any president before. And so he was very lonely in the office and then uh, his wife experienced a significant amount of depression. And so Lincoln would engage solitude on many different occasions. And there was one morning where he decided to take a walk. And uh, the nation was so sided at that point that God was on one side or the other. The North, God is on our side. The South, God is on our side. And he began to hear all about the sidedness of where God was playing and whose team God was playing on. And in his walk of solitude, he began to hear the stillness, in the stillness, the voice of God. And following his solitude walk, he wrote in his journal, I am more and more convinced that God is on neither side. Rather, amidst all the chaos, God looms above it all. In the days ahead, engage that solitude. Get out on the balcony. Remember that God looms above it all. Enough. Be still and know that God is God.